This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. reading the book on uh, Rollo Tomasi's book, The Rational Male. And, um, and then, so what I'll be doing is I'll just sort of go through and, and read some of what he's written, and then we'll have a discussion. And like I said, if you want to speak about personal things, you don't want to be live on YouTube, you know, just let me know. You don't want to be in the recording, just let me know. I'll cut you out of the recording, and we'll go off YouTube if that's what you want but usually it's just me who speaks too much about personal things and a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that so i decided to record it so we can reach more people and that's what we're doing here um so i've combined two groups i've got the dating and relationship meetups that i just started and um took over for one group in new york and then i um created another one here for los angeles and then I'm also part of the nonpartisan red pill men's group. And that's a group where we discuss um, dating, sexuality, women, relationships, and politics without all the right wing crap. So, um, and then today we're going to be talking about the soulmate myth. And so we meet, let me put this in, we meet every month. So Welcome to the nonpartisan Red Pill Men's Group. Um, we meet every month, and you can register for that meeting just like you did here. And at, that's at tinyurl.com slash redpillmen. And today we're talking about the soulmate myth. And so I'm just going to start with his book. We're reading the section on the religion of the soulmate first. And basically what he does is he talks about how he was in a class and when the class was asked about religion they all said they were agnostic and they were um, atheist or they were spiritual but not religious and they sort of created religion and as sort of a way to deal with death maybe part of a delusion but when they asked whether there was that special person that one person that was meant to be with you they all raised their hand they all believed in that that there was this one person that they um that they were meant there's one man for every woman type of myth and what we really know is that there's not one man for one woman there's actually one man for multiple women and multiple men with no women and that's what the situation is right now and so um and then we were talking about in the just in the previous session, he was talking about one-itis, the idea that there's this one person and you fear losing that one person or, or this is that person and and he, they're my soulmate and, and that's it. And if I lose them, 
And and so I'm just going to start reading now before he goes into it. Um, so, yeah, so um, he says it's an, an, an irrational belief in predestination or even amongst the least spiritual that it's just a part of life to pair off with someone significant and there was someone for everyone. And despite all odds, people largely feel entitled or deserving of an important love in their life. And statistically and pragmatically, though, this is ridiculous, he says. The feminized Disneyfication of this core concept has been romanticized and commercialized to the point of it becoming a religion. And he says the Shakespearean longing for the one, the search for another soulmate who was destined to be our match has been systematically distorted beyond all reason. And as I'll elaborate later, men take their own lives in the delusion of having lost the one. Um, and then we go into the soap men and the soulmate and how men are, are affected. It says the perversion of the soulmate myth is attributed in large part to the feminized social conventions we deal with today. The fear of isolation from our imagined soulmate or the fear of having irrecoverably lost the perfect one for us feels so much of the personal and social neuroses we find in the contemporary matrix of our society, of our society. For example, much of the fear inherited in the myth of the lonely old man loses its teeth without a core belief in the soulmate myth. The feminine imper imperative recognized the overarching power of the soulmate myth had over men and women from the beginning of the rise to ascendancy of the primary gender social imperative and i think what he's talking about when he talks about the gender social imperative or the feminine imperative is the maximization of hypergamy is that right eric you think he's talking about that the maximization of hyper hypergamy as the feminine imperative probably he, he does talk about that a lot um, in the book i have not read all of the book but that is a common theme yes yeah so i think that that's what he um he means here the feminine control of men, you know, in the service of natural selection is another way of putting it. Yeah. Um, virtually all of the distortions of the core soulmate dynamic evolved as controlling schema for men. Mm -hmm. And I think what he means is that the soulmate is to control men's behavior to get them to give give up their sexual strategy which is to spread their seed with as many women as possible to go for that one woman when it is soulmate women who are the primary reward for a soulmate necessitous man there are a lot of opportunities to consolidate that power upon and he doesn't think it's a fiendish plot of a femme-centric cabal socialize socially engineering the soulmate fear into men in fact later on he talks about how the soulmate myth really doesn't help women either 
and um, but generations of men raised to be oblivious to it willingly and activate actively help perpetuate the myth. He says it, it's so, um, and then he talks about the soulmate myth in women, and that he says hypergamy intensifies neurosis. Now, what hypergamy is is the tendency of women to date laterally and up in the social hierarchy, financially, social status. They're always looking for someone better than them. And so um, that's what he means by hypergamy. Particularly, so that it says the languishing associated with pining for the alpha that got away, that women have these hot studs that they had when they were young, that they were trying to get, they were swinging for the fences, trying to get the richest, biggest, baddest guy they could, and they lost him. And, you know, they're never the same is sort of that idea. I'm not sure how much that is true, but that's his point of view. Um, particularly when she's paired off with a long-term long term with a dutiful beta provider after her sexual market value declines. So the beta is the other side of the equation. Women need a provide, want a provider, they want money, and they want sex. They put it simply, they want a stud and they want big bucks. And so, um, so but some, they, they don't come in one package. And so they have to, settle after they hit the wall about 30 they have to settle for a guy that they might not have preferred was not the alpha stud that they really really wanted and so um and the second sexual market value declining is a major part of his theory that that women peak in the 20s men peak in their 30s and then men maintain value much better than women do over time so and it's kind of a commodified market in a way let's see what so, page numbers are you on uh, richard i'm on page six right now so i turn from five to page six and i'm going to go into page seven and that will be it so he says um For women, the soulmate represents the nigh unattainable combination of arousing alpha dominance matched with a loyal providership for her long-term security that only she can tame out of him. This is hypergamy hates the soulmate principle. So because the soulmate is an absolute definition, whereas hypergamy must always test for protection, for perfection, hypergamy asks, is he the one? Is he the one? And the soulmate myth replies, he has to be the one. He's your soulmate. There's only one of those. So basically what that means is that it frustrates hypergamy in a way because hypergamy is means you're always looking for that bigger, better guy. You know, you, a lot of women reserve the right to always have their eye out for that bigger, better guy. And so, but when you get to the one, then, you know, that's the one. It, it, it frustrates hypergamy 
as well in that sense. And um, so he's on building the mystery. It says, we want to build our intimate relationships into the soulmate idealism in order to relieve the fear and solve the problem. And the problem is both sexes would seek to perfect that idealization for themselves. Well, anyway. And then for women, the impact of the most significant alpha male is what initially defines the soulmate idealization. For men, it may be the first woman they become sexual with him or the one who best exemplifies a woman he mistakenly believes can love and love him in a male-defined orientation of love. And what he means by that is that men feel that women should be able to love them for themselves. And we really love women for who they are because, hey, their physical presence, their body, their appearance is who they are. But women have all these other qualifications. And we have other qualifications too, make no mistake about that. But women tend to love us for what we do, what we provide, what we can do. and. Um, and so um, there's a conflict there between the, the, his def definition of the feminine, feminine version of love, which he describes as opportunistic love, or some people define, define it as um, consuming, consuming love, and um, the men's idealized version of love, which is to love a person for who they are. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Let's see. Yeah. So here she says the soap, yeah, is ridiculous. It's psychologically much more pragmatic to construct another person to fit that ideal than it ever will be to wait for fate to take its course. People subscribing to the myth would rather build a soulmate. Consequences be damned. So women will attempt to build a better beta. That means building the provider, making him more sexual, or the, the or making him a better provider, or tame down an alpha, tame an alpha, a guy who is out fooling around, who has a lot of women, and um, so that's their conception. While men will t attempt to turn a whore into a housewife, or vice versa. So mm -hmm. sometimes we they don't come in. Women don't come in one package either sometimes in that sense. And, um, but if anything, it will free you to have a better, healthier future relationship with someone who is genuinely important to you. So dropping the soulmate myth isn't the nihilism a lot of people might have you believe it is. Um, it's going to free you to a better, healthier future relationship with someone who you generally like, a relationship based on genuine desire mutual respect, complementary understanding of each other and love, rather than one based on a fear of losing your one and only representation of contentment in life. In any relationship, and then he goes on to power, the one who needs that. And, he, and he, that will be the next chapter and our next discussion, which would be power in relationships. And 
He says, whether you want to base your relationship on power or not isn't the issue. It's already in play. You are acceptable to her for meeting any number of criteria, and she meets your own criteria as well. If this weren't the case, you simply would not be in to initiate a mutual relationship. So I know some of you might think that, you know, you're looking for your soulmate out there, but what Rolo Tomasi is saying, look for another person. You know, there isn't this one person out there. You got to look for a person that's right for you. And, and those things, mutual respect, mutual desire. Relationships nowadays are based largely on mutual desire rather than on roles. I mean, women worked in the past, you know. It wasn't like women didn't work, you know. They, they, they worked and, and men had roles and women had roles. And nowadays it's kind of like, well, those roles don't work because they're not... Same roles. But anyway, I don't want to digress. So now I'm opening it up to questions and comments on that. Yeah, I was just going to comment on that. It, it seems like it makes both genders choosier if you drop the soulmate notion, then um, we can be choosier, you know, which does kind of decrease the amount of relationships that are actually happening. I think current statistics show that too. Like marriage is at an all-time low. And uh, according to some other factors are that are, I'm not sure how they measure that, but that's things I've heard from credible sources, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then I'm curious if someone wants to comment on this. I mean, the last thing you said, Richard, is that um, women don't need men in the sense of the resources men can provide. I think a lot of them do, but not as much as in the past, you know, not as much as 50, 60, 100 years ago, you know. Mm -hmm. So if anyone wants to comment on that, I think it's probably true, although we also know we have an underclass in the United States that does not have sufficient resources. So, you know, both may be true. <laughs> well, I, I, what I'm thinking is, you know, in the 1800s, maybe even into the 1900s, you know, women had work to do you know, in their roles, taking care of, that was work, you know, washing clothes by hand, everything by hand, making things, but I mean, women had a realm of work that they participated in. When we get to the 50s, we begin to see, you know, this idea of this, um, and I'm not sure if it was an idea that, that actually came up of the trophy wife, right? Sort of the idea of, was this now the, the most beautiful woman we can, I guess, but that the women would stay home as a housewife, right? But it was less work than before, I think. But then we had in the 50s, I'd watch these programs and man, boy, you ever watch Doobie, uh, Dobie, Dobie, Dobie Gillis? Dobie yeah. Gillis, yeah. 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 And all the women, you know, in the 50s, boom. You got to be rich. Boom, boom. You know, they're looking for that um, guy who's going to make them, who's going to be rich. I mean, it sort of really seemed to evolve out of that because before, you know, you really needed a man if you wanted to start a family, work on a farm, you know, um, whatever you had to do to make a living. 
you know, women and men work together. So there was a, a need for that. And before that, there were arranged marriages, right? Mm -hmm. So marriage was not romantic. And then we have development of romantic um, arrangements and ideas. And then we have the sort of a, a reduction in, in women's role in the home, you know, where they were not out milking cows anymore, making everything from scratch anymore. You know, everything's convenient, you know. And so you had Betty for Dan and the feminine mystique come out with women discovering their, as I, I think I talked, is it discovering their washing machines, you know, because those things used to rock a lot. And so, and being unhappy as housewives. I mean, it was very unfulfilling for a lot of women who have a lot of potential. And so, um, but I think now we're, um, yeah, now we have a situation where women are out making their own money, but they can't get past what evolutionary psychologists would say is their sort of Neanderthal era sexuality or, or where, where a man has to, um, you know, hypergamy. They can't get past hypergamy in a sense. I mean, they they can see different things as as a value you know it's not necessarily only money but um the idea that a man has to that they have to move up in the social ladder you know means that men have to move down the women want a man who's better than them which means that men have to accept a woman who is less than them and that's something that orion taraban taught recently yes yeah and, mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's that's where we're at. And I mean, the the myth of the soulmate might cause us a lot of worry and angst. That's just unnecessary. Um, we're just we're just human beings trying to meet our needs, and in a society and culture, and with a evolution that is can sometimes be are you know toxic you know on both sides women and men our 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 sexuality and our culture and our politics obviously and sexual politics can be very toxic so but um yeah so the soulmate myth is um does anybody believe in the soulmate myth anybody want to defend the soulmate myth here even though um or does anybody want to bring up some of their um, dating questions or issues? Because we have this dating meetup as well, and how this pertains to to actually dating. Don't all speak at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got anything to add there, Eric? Um, I mean, I I don't believe in the soulmate notion anymore um but again um i think it's deeply embedded out there I, i'm guessing and this is a guess i don't know this but that maybe women believe in it more than men but you know who knows you know um yeah i think but, probably uh, men believe in it maybe even i i wouldn't say that women believe in it more than men but because mm -hmm. men can believe in it too quite a yeah. bit you know? right right True. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I was going to say something. Oh, I was going to tell you my personal story should avoid personal stories. But, you know, the idea that my high school sweetheart was my soulmate, right? I went to a psyche once who was doing a group reading that somebody lost their their wife in the 1980s and thinking, well, I lost my my high school sweetheart. Actually, what happened is she went to go fool around and swing for the fences, you know, and pulled some junk on me as well, which I've talked about before. But, you know, and then thinking, you know, by the time she hits 30, she could just roll on back to me, you know, and um, and that's so much what what happens, you know. If I was her soulmate, she walked away from me to go fool around and then lost yeah. it, right? So that's something that sometimes comes up for me and thinking about her. I don't even know if she still thinks about me. Uh, occasionally, I think mm -hmm. about her, particularly some of the, you know, since I've been dealing with some trauma mm -hmm. um, in that regard. So, yeah, and I think that can happen with both genders too. Like the what the alpha widow isn't that that notion about a woman that what you say swings for the fences, but in baseball, when you swing for the fences too much, you tend to strike out mostly, yeah. you know, yeah. like Dave Kingman, you know. But, mm. but so you're better off to go for the base hits or the base on balls and you know, move the runner along and all that stuff, but um human psychology takes over and a person wants what they want but future planning might point to another way to go but i mean i think men do this too you get attracted to a very beautiful woman and you have thoughts you know and it's it's very human to think that but it can lead certainly a man into trouble i think if you just base things on looks and not other things that's volatile and dangerous for a man i believe yeah. yeah absolutely and that's what i mean we have other criteria too we just don't not physically attracted to that you know but we do have you know mm -hmm. standards and men should have standards and sometimes we don't have standards and that creates a problem you know we're, we're willing to go with the first woman because we're many of us are starved sexually that that the whole the feminine imperative that he talked about sort of depends upon uh, sexual scarcity, creating sexual scarcity. That is, is a force men into relationships, you know? And so women collude with one another and slut shame one another and to make sure that they're not having sex with these men so that these men are more desperate. That, that's how I, I feel that the, that, that, that that whole scenario on controlling access to sex um, is, is part of the feminine imperative. Munich, September 30th, 1938. Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain abandons the people of Czechoslovakia to the whims of a monstrous dictator named Adolf Hitler. The war that followed shook the earth to its very foundations. Washington, September 30th, 2023. Republicans demand that America abandon the people of Ukraine to the whims of a monstrous dictator named Vladimir Putin. History has taught us the cost of appeasement, destruction, oppression, death. 
For decades, the Republican Party fought the agents of tyranny. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That all ended when their party leaders sounded more like a dictator than a president. A president who benefited from Russian interference and returned the favor with support of Russian oppression. Great to be with you. President Joe Biden has stood with the Ukrainian people in their fight against Putin, upholding the ideals that America was founded on, ideals that so many fought and died to defend. The choice in 2024 is no longer between two political parties. It's between freedom and oppression, between war and peace. The stakes have never been higher. The cost has never been greater. The choice has never been more clear. It's us or them.